love is a deep and powerful emotion that can send the spirit soaring. But human love pales in comparison to the enduring, unconditional love of God. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah takes a closer look at that love which accepts believers as sons and daughters adopted into God's family. From Prayer, the Great Adventure, here's David to conclude his message, The Relationship of Prayer. Well, prayer is the way we connect with heaven. And I do believe that prayer changes things. Mostly, I've discovered, prayer changes me when I pray. I've seen prayer work in my own life in dramatic ways. I wish I had prayed more. I wish I had prayed better. And I'm sure you probably can say amen to that for yourself. But you know, the devil likes to talk about what we don't do and then put us in a corner. And the Bible wants to tell us what we can do and open the door so that we can go forward and be better than we are. That's our motivation in teaching on this subject, and I hope you join me in that desire. We say with the disciples who walked with Jesus every day, Lord, teach us to pray. And that's what he's doing in this series. There's a great book uh, that we uh, did years ago right after coming out of an experience with uh, lymphoma cancer. I learned a lot about prayer during those days, those months. And I wrote a book called Prayer the Great Adventure, published by Multnomah Press. And you can get a copy of it by going to davidjeremiah.org. There you will see the book and the CD package that goes with the series. And then, as you listen today, if you'd like to have a copy of the answer book on prayer that's a part of this series, the answer book is, is in the genre of the answer books we've done before. It's 146 pages, hardcover including 50 answers to questions about prayer. It's a helpful resource to personal study. You can share it in a group setting. And it's yours for a gift of any amount to Turning Point during the month of July. When you send your gift, just simply ask for this resource, and we'll send it to you right away. So you have the teaching on the radio. You have the CD packages where you can reprise what you've heard on the radio. You have a whole book in print from which... The radio messages have been taken, and a study guide to go with the book, and then a special answer book you can get simply by giving a gift during the month of July. So I hope you'll do that. Join in with us. Get the resources. Um, When you send your gift, be sure to ask for the book, Answers to Questions About Prayer. Well, enough talking about what you can get. Let's teach. Let's understand. Let's find out about the relationship of prayer from the book of Matthew. Here is part two of that message. Galatians chapter four is the text. And I love this passage of scripture because it glorifies the relationship that God has provided for those who love him. Galatians chapter four. And I want you to notice in this passage of scripture, What took place that put us into this new relationship? Have you got your Bibles open? All right. Notice verse 4 and follow along as I read. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born unto the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive, now watch this, the adoption as sons. To redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. Now watch this. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. 
Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Jesus Christ. Do you get the picture? (laughs) Until God sent forth his son born of a woman in the fullness of time, our relationship was different. It wasn't like it is now. When that veil was torn, when Christ died on the cross, a whole new way of approach to God was opened up to us. And whereas before we are classified as slaves or servants, God has now changed that whole status and he's made us sons and he's put his Holy Spirit within our hearts so that now you and I can call God Father in the most endearing term in all of the word of God. We are sons of the Father. In the Old Testament, we were servants. In the New Testament, we are sons. And in 1 John 3, 1, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. When I think about looking up into the face of a loving heavenly father who cares for me and cares for me more than the most intense love I know as a human, I can say with John, what manner of love is that? What an incredible thing that is. The fatherhood of God and our relationship to him has a bearing on a number of doctrines in the word of God. For instance, the incarnation in Galatians 4, that whole relationship took a change when God sent forth his son born of a woman. But then he mentions the Holy Spirit. Not only is the incarnation involved, but the day of Pentecost is involved as well. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit changed everything. When the church was born, the Holy Spirit came to live within us. And because of that, we are now able to call God our Father. He is our Father. And Jesus Christ, always referring to God as my Father, shows us the way of the relationship between a son and his father, our father who art in heaven. Now, the father part of that phrase is all about intimacy. That's the person. But the place that is mentioned here kind of puts a different twist to it and brings to the passage the tension we always find in the scripture. Have you noticed that? That God by his Holy Spirit has built tension into the word of God in a magnificent way so that we never go off in one direction too far, but the truth is held together in a kind of insoluble relationship so that we are held at the right place. For instance, if I am only taught that God is my father, then I have a tendency to move over into that realm of flippancy, that kind of extra familiarity, the slanguage that is often developed up around religion and personal relationship with the Father, such as the big dodger in the sky or the man upstairs or whatever. I don't like those terms because I don't think they reflect the true majesty and greatness of who God is. But when we get over here on this side, my father, we get into the intimate part of our relationship, we might have a tendency to do that. If it were not coupled together with the rest of this truth, our father who art in heaven, he's in heaven. And that reminds us that the earth is his footstool and that he is a God of majesty and might who is worthy of our praise and of our worship. He is the glorious king 
He is surrounded by the angelic host. In whatever way you wish to imagine it, he sits on the throne of majesty and at his right hand is his son, Jesus Christ. He is ministered to by all the creatures of glory. Think of all the regality that you know in this world, the domain of the kingdom of this world, and multiply it by a hundred times a hundred, and you haven't touched anything of the glory and majesty of the Father who is in heaven. He's in heaven. I don't know about you, but that strips my gears. How do you do that? I mean, you just get on telling me he's your father, and now you tell me he's up in heaven. One time you say, I think he's approachable, the next time I wonder how I'm gonna get through. How many of you remember years ago when John F. Kennedy was the president and Life Magazine published a whole series of photos of his children. Do you remember those pictures of John and Caroline playing with their toys on the floor of the Oval Office? Do you remember that? Those captured the hearts of the American people like nothing ever that has come out of a president's family before or after. Why? Because I think in some ways it bridged the gap between these two thoughts. Here was the president of the United States with two little kids playing with toys on the floor of the Oval Office. Now, I don't think your kids would have been allowed to do that, nor mine. But his kids were. Why? He was their father. He was the president of the United States. He was their father. He's in heaven. He's my father. That's the way it is with the father in heaven, isn't it? When you became a son, when you were adopted into the family of God as the son of God, he opened up for you through his son's death on the cross a way of fellowship and relationship that makes it possible for you to bypass going to the temple with an animal sacrifice and talking to God through a priest, you can go right into the presence of God Almighty and he will hear you, though I don't understand how he does it. If it all happens on Wednesday, he will hear you. He will hear you. Because you're his son, you're his daughter, and he's your father. There is a verse of scripture that puts that all together and I'd ask you to look it up but I don't want to lose you so you let me read it to you all right I want you to hear this Isaiah 57 and verse 15 listen to this verse for thus saith the high and lofty one who inhabiteth eternity whose name is holy I dwell in the high and holy place and with him also that is of a contrite and a humble spirit. <laughs> wow. Do you get that? He says, thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, who dwells in the high and holy place. Oh, and by the way, also with those who are of a humble and contrite spirit with you and me. Incredible. He is... Our Father who is in heaven and your relationship to him should be built like that. I should just pause for a moment to say that there is enough in this little phrase to destroy atheism for it says our Father who art <laughs> and in that phrase alone atheism is finished. 
I can't imagine an atheist ever praying the Lord's Prayer. You know, one of the sad things about being an atheist is who do you thank when something goes good? I mean, what do you do? This prayer does away with atheism and it brings into a relationship God's children. Did you know that one of the names that is used for this prayer, I think it's a Latin word, it's the word paternoster, P-A-T-E-R-N-O-S-T-E-R, paternoster. You know what that is? That is the first two words of the prayer, our father. It's almost as if the name of the prayer has been taken in that little word to describe our relationship with God. Let me ask you a question, class. Do you relate to God like that? Are you in fellowship with him? You know, my fathering has changed a lot. How many of you know that just when you figure out what it's supposed to be like, they're all gone? I finally figured out fathering and now my kids are all gone. And I learned a lot about being a father and my fathering has moved into a whole new realm. I'm fathering long distance. Now if I'm like that as a earthly father with limited resources, how do you feel about the father in heaven who owns the cattle on a thousand hills? He'll pay for it all. And he's waiting for you to walk into his presence in prayer. Our father who are in heaven. If it is true that he is our father and we are his sons, then there are four things that I want you to remember because of that. If he is our father and we are his sons and daughters, then number one, we have a new relationship, don't we? It's a whole new thing that happens when we're saved. The Holy Spirit comes to live within us and we are born into the family of God. And Romans 8, 39 says that nothing can separate us from the love of God. We are his eternally. We belong to him. We are born into his family and you can't be unborn. He is ours. Nothing can separate us. Go and read Romans 8. Look at the whole list that is presented there of the things that might potentially separate you from the love of God. Nothing can separate you. You have a relationship that is eternal with God the Father. I have said to my children, each of them individually and probably all of them together on more than one occasion, our love for you is unconditional. No matter what you do, we will love you. You cannot do anything to destroy our love. It is unconditional. And that is human love, but God's love goes beyond that. It's a whole new relationship. Number two, it says in Galatians chapter four that we are heirs of God. Romans eight says we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Listen to me, friends. God put me in his will. He wrote me in his will. He put me in as an inheritor. And when Jesus Christ died, the will was executed. I'm just waiting for my inheritance. And he'll never write me out. One of these days, because I'm his son, I am going to inherit everything that is mine by virtue of the fact that I belong in the family. I've got a whole new reward to look forward to because I'm a son and he's my father. And then Galatians 4 also brings this truth that I have a new resource because the Holy Spirit now lives in my heart. He lives within me. I don't understand this completely, but review with me for a moment the progression of truth as you remember it. 
Christ came into the world, he died, he was buried, he was resurrected, and a few days later, he ascended. And before he ascended, he said, before I ascend, I want you to know that I'm going to send another comforter who is not only going to be with you, he's going to be in you. And he sent the Holy Spirit to come to live within us. By virtue of my sonship, I have a resource now. I have the Holy Spirit living within me. You know what he does? He helps me to be what a son should be. He helps me to walk and live and talk like a son of God. I couldn't do that if the Holy Spirit weren't within me because the criteria is far beyond anything I could ever, ever produce. But oh, one day when Christ came to live within my heart, he put his blessed Holy Spirit in here. And now I've got this power to live in a way that's beyond anything. So that when people see me, if I'm living in the power of the Holy Spirit, they say, he must be one of his sons. She must be one of his daughters. Do you see it? When the Holy Spirit came to live within you, when you accepted Christ into your heart, you got the blessed Holy Spirit to come and give you the inward strength and power to live in light of who you really are as a son of God. Every single day, I've got this resource because he's my father. That's power. And then there's one last thing, and I hope you'll hear me on this because this is so important. I got a new relationship, and I got a new reward, and I got a new resource, but I also have a new responsibility, don't I? Our Father. (laughs) I'm not in this thing alone, and nor are you. I've got some brothers and sisters, and most of you are my brothers and sisters. And because now I'm in the family, and you're in the family, we're all in the family together. We can't have any sibling rivalry here. We've got to be in the family together. I've heard all the stories about how brothers and sisters fight, and I partly believe it. And I believe it true in the church as well. But if it is true, it's because we don't understand who we are. Listen, we're going to spend eternity together. We're going to live in God's house forever and ever, according to Psalm 23. And we're going to be there with our brothers and sisters who have the same heritage we have. We're sons and daughters of God Almighty. And when we pray our Father, if we're having squabbles with each other, it mitigates against the reality and the efficacy of our prayer. And it's almost like a check when we ever come to this prayer or we pattern our prayers this way. As soon as we say the word our... We have to back away and see if everything's all right. I mentioned to you this before, but I don't want you to forget this because it is quite important that there's only one thing that our Lord repeated after the prayer for emphasis. Do you remember what it was? In the prayer, he said, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And then in verse 15, He takes another shot at that truth. And he says, if we don't do that, in some way, we get into the relationship we have with our Father and we mess it all up. Did you get that? For if we don't take care of relationships with each other, it ends up messing up the relationship we have with the Father. Do you understand that, fathers? How many of you have grown children? You have grown children? I want to ask you this, and I'm thankful I don't have this problem, but I've talked to lots of people who have grown children who they can't even go to a family reunion 
because there is a messed up relationship between two of their children and they don't know how to celebrate Christmas and they don't know how to celebrate Thanksgiving and they can't put any family things together because the relationships between the children are so messed up it's hard to get the family together without there being all kinds of stress. You all know stories like that, don't you? Translate that into the spiritual. God the Father of us all who are believers wants our fellowship to be right. So because I'm a son, I've got a new responsibility to walk with my brothers and my sisters in the power of that Holy Spirit that he has put within me. I want to tell you a story as we finish about a hymn that we never sing, but it's a blessed story. When Charles Wesley found Christ on Whit Sunday in 1738, his experience overflowed into some marvelous verses. The Wesley's conversion hymn, Methodist hymn book, page 361, in which the transition from slavery to sonship is the main theme. It's a little stilted in language, but listen to the words. Where shall my wandering soul begin? How shall I all to heaven aspire? A slave redeemed from death and sin, a brand plucked from eternal fire. How shall I equal triumphs raise? or sing my great deliverer's praise. How shall I the goodness tell, Father, which thou to me hast showed, that I, a child of wrath and hell, I shall be called a child of God, should know, should feel my sins forgiven, blessed with this, this antipast of heaven. Three days later, Charles tells us in his diary that his brother John burst in with a troop of our friends to announce that he too was now a believer. And we sang that hymn, he said, with great joy. Had you been there, could you have joined in? Can you join in with the excitement that we feel in our hearts today when we reflect upon the fact that God is our Father? Don't let anyone deceive you with the idea of the universal fatherhood of God. I remind you again, there are two families in this world. The Lord Jesus on one occasion said to someone, you are of your father, the devil. And the only way you get into God's family so that he becomes your father, you have to go through the adoption process. You've got to be born again through the new birth, through trusting Jesus Christ, who is God's only begotten son. He gives you the privilege to be called the Son of God and you are born into his family. Then for the first time in your life, you can lift your voice to heaven and say, Our Father, my Father, who art in heaven. But he is not your Father until you have accepted his Son, Jesus Christ, as your Savior. And I want to ask you to carefully reflect upon that and to do it now. Amen. Amen. Say, friends, we try to take a few minutes in every broadcast to let you know what's going on at Turning Point. And uh, we have a few things that we want to put on your list of uh, things to remember. The Caribbean cruise that we take each year is December the 28th through January the 4th. It's really, really a cool thing to do because we get to celebrate the new year and say goodbye to the old year with a bunch of friends on a beautiful cruise ship in the beautiful blue waters of the Caribbean. 
and we have great worship and great fun as we enter into the new year. It's one of my favorite things we do each year. Information about that is at davidjeremiah.org. In the fall, we have some rallies coming up. We didn't do any of those during COVID, and we've had a hard time getting back in the schedule, but we have four rallies coming up this fall, one rally uh, a week, October the 6th in Raleigh, North Carolina, October the 13th in Orlando, Florida, October the 20th in Greenville, South Carolina, and November the 11th in Buffalo, New York. If you live in these areas, mark the dates. We'll be announcing the ticket availability in just a few days. Thanks again for joining us today. Have a wonderful day, and be sure to join us tomorrow as we convene again to study prayer, the great adventure. Our message today originated from Shadow Mountain Community Church and Dr. David Jeremiah, the senior pastor. If you're being blessed by this ministry, we'd love to hear about it. Write us at Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's book, Answers to Questions About Prayer, with 50 questions and answers to fortify your prayer life. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions, available in your choice of cover options. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue Prayer the Great Adventure, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. One of the greatest adventures in this life is meeting with God through prayer. And to help you go deeper in your practice, Dr. Jeremiah has created a new book called Answers to Questions About Prayer. This new book, along with his classic volume, Prayer, The Great Adventure, are yours when you donate $60 to the ministry this month. And when you give $80 or more, you'll also receive these books, as well as the accompanying CD, album, and study guide. Donate online at davidjeremiah.ca. If you've been blessed by the ministry of Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point, we would love to offer you two free ways to stay connected. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash magazine for a subscription to our monthly Turning Points magazine. Each exclusive issue is filled with encouraging articles and daily devotionals to strengthen your spiritual walk. You can also sign up to receive our daily email devotional and be a part of our community of friends who receive daily encouragement delivered straight to their inbox from Dr. Jeremiah. Written in a thought-provoking manner, this concise yet profound daily devotional delivers the refreshment and focus you need as you go about in today's world. You can join the more than 600,000 monthly subscribers who are building their faith each month through these free resources. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. Have you ever remodeled a part of your home? Did it cost more than you planned for? Most homeowners have one piece of advice concerning a remodeling job. Make your very best estimate for what it will cost and then double it. Most of us learn the hard way in life that very rarely do things turn out exactly as we plan. There are two lessons here. 
One is to follow the teaching of Proverbs. Make your plans, then submit them to God and let Him work out the details. Second, give thanks that while everything else in life changes, God never does. His plans will be accomplished. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's plans on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.